Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 4 is entitled Political Correctness 2023, Part 1. Stanford University produced the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative. The following is their purpose statement. The goal of the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative is to eliminate many forms of harmful language, including racist, violent, and biased, such as disability bias, ethnic bias, ethnic slurs, gender bias, implicit bias, sexual bias language in Stanford's websites and codes. The media buzz began when Stanford condemned the word American because it is offensive to the 42 other countries who live on the American continent. According to Stanford, the term American denotes superiority. In other words, Stanford is condemning as evil, pride in America, patriotism, the American flag, and the American way of life, and holding up as equal any contrary political views that inhabit the American continent. One could say that Stanford is crippling the language, But you can't use the word crippling or handicapped because they unnecessarily equate the weakening of something with people living with disabilities. You could say that Stanford has strong convictions about using harmful language. But, according to their manifesto, you can't use the word conviction either because it has the word convict in it. And the term convict defines people by just one of their characteristics. Of course, using the same sound reasoning, you can't call anyone a murderer a rapist, a criminal, a sadist, a psychopath, a serial killer, a terrorist, a gunman, a gangster, a racketeer, a cutthroat, or a mugger, because they define criminals with just one of their characteristics. You must be inclusive. A psychopath, for example, may also be a serial killer, a rapist, a gunman, a terrorist, a gangster, and a racketeer, and thus he may be offended by just one title. So, you refer to him, whoops, can't use the pronoun him because it suggests a male-dominated language. According to Stanford, you shouldn't group criminals using masculine language into gender binary groups, which don't include everyone. You may use the pronoun them regardless of whether or not it agrees in number because them are inclusive, or should I say them is inclusive. Grammar no longer matters. Only political correctness matters. The point is you must guard your language and become dumb. But you can't use the word dumb either because it implies a person is incapable of expressing themselves. Notice it is themselves and not himself or herself because those preferred pronouns are exclusive. Whoops. Wrong again. You cannot use the phrase preferred pronouns because the word preferred suggests that non-binary gender identity is a choice and a preference. But it doesn't end with pronouns. Most nouns are also banned. For example, you cannot use the term Hispanic because its roots lie in Spain's colonization of South American countries. All words denoting colonialism are banned. Never mind that it is a denial of history. It is a small sacrifice as long as you choose the politically correct words. You cannot even say Philippine Islands 
because it denotes colonialism, unless, of course, you are of Filipino heritage. One is tempted to call the personages at Stanford who are on the committee to eliminate harmful language insane, except they ban the word insane because it is ableist language that trivializes the experiences of people living with mental health conditions. So you would have to say to those on the committee to eliminate harmful language that they are people living with mental health conditions. However, according to Stanford, you may avoid the circular jargon by replacing the word insane with the word surprising or wild. <laughs> it is nice to know that Stanford has found a cure for insanity. A person is no longer criminally insane. He, she, it, they, or them are criminally surprising or criminally wild. Oh, and you can't use the word victim either to describe a person who has just been dismembered by a criminally surprising member of society. The word victim is offensive to the dismembered corpse because it identifies he, she, it, they, or them using a single characteristic. Mark Twain said that using the right word and the near right word is the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. What would he say about replacing the word victim with the phrase, a person who has been impacted by a chainsaw from a relationship with a criminally surprising personage? As stated above, Americans can no longer refer to themselves as Americans because, according to Stanford, the term American is too exclusive. It refers to people from the United States, which is a sin in their politically correct world. One should not insinuate that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. It offends the dictators of the other 42 countries. But we can't call them dictators because it defines them by a single characteristic. Also, you can no longer say that you descended from immigrants because the word immigrant defines people by just one of their characteristics. To avoid listing all of their other characteristics, you must say that you descended from a person who has immigrated. Somehow, that is less offensive to your ancestors who probably have been dead for centuries. But you cannot use the phrase being dead for centuries either because it also defines people by just one of their characteristics. One cannot be too careful in a politically correct world where sensitivities are elevated to a paranoid state. Only a schizophrenic could manage such a high state of incessant self-awareness. But schizophrenic is inappropriate because it identifies people with only one characteristic. It was Shakespeare Puck who said, Oh, what fools these mortals be. But he didn't live in the age of political correctness where you can no longer use the word fool because it identifies a person from a single characteristic. In fact, now that they have taken away all pronouns and all nouns, we are going to need Jonathan Swift's flappers to tell us when to speak. If you think they have reached the point of ridiculousness, you're mistaken. They are just getting started. Are you one of the millions of insensitive Americans? Whoops, wrong again. Are you one of the millions of insensitive inhabitants who live on part of a landmass known as North America between another landmass called Canada and a landmass called Mexico, who are unaware that you can't even use the term spirit animal because it trivializes the spirits of dead animals or those who identify with animals? It is very offensive to someone who identifies as a cat. You may also be unaware that you can no longer use the word grandfather. You must use the word legacy, because the term grandfather has its roots in the grandfather clause adopted by southern states to deny voting rights to blacks. The next time you greet your grandparents, you must say, Hello, grandmother. Hello, legacy. It is very nice to see you. It doesn't matter to the politically correct committee to eliminate harmful language that the word grandfather has nothing to do with slavery. It was used as early as the 14th century. But Stanford not only wants to eliminate all words related to colonialism, they want to eliminate all words that relate to slavery, such as master, master list, slave, slave labor, or soul down the river. 
What matters history? The Stanford Committee will be happy to learn that Obama spent millions of taxpayer dollars removing the word terrorist from government documents because it marginalizes people who want to murder innocent men, women, and children. Did 9-11 happen, or was it a government hoax? In deference to the Indian culture, Stanford wants to eliminate words such as circle the wagons because it paints indigenous peoples as the aggressors. Imagine that. How did the personages in Hollywood, the most awareness-heightened people on the planet, miss that? They want to eliminate words and phrases such as Indian summer, red team, scalper, Geronimo, Pocahontas, powwow, and chief as well because somehow they are offensive to Indians. As everyone knows, Stanford is dominated by Indian radicals. No, wait. These are all written by white Caucasian liberals who want the Indian vote. But we can't call them white Caucasian liberals because that identifies them by only one characteristic. For your information, you can no longer say too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Also, if you are not an American Indian, you cannot use the term tribal knowledge because it trivializes the ancestral knowledge handed down through generations of indigenous peoples. I wonder if the people on the committee at Stanford who are afflicted with mental health issues have read George Orwell's 1984. The term newspeak comes to mind. In Oceania, things were no longer good and bad. They were good and ungood. And if they were very ungood, they were double plus ungood. It was a form of mind control, I believe. There might be a slight hint of bias among committee members, though. For example, they condemn words and phrases such as African-American, blacklist, Black hat, black mark, black sheep, blackballed, black box, brown bag, because they might offend the blacks. However, they condemn words and phrases such as white hat hacker, white paper, white team, white box, white list, and white space, not because they may offend the whites, but because it assigns value connotations based on color. White equals good an act which is subconsciously racialized and might offend the blacks. In other words, feel free to offend the whites all you want. They are all white supremacists anyway. After all, the President of the United States has no problem referring to whites as racist, fascist, Nazis, domestic terrorists, white supremacists, and mega, MAGA Republicans, even though they may traumatize whites by defining them by just one of their characteristics. Though I'm sure it can't be true, it appears that the real purpose of the list, though it purports to eliminate harmful language, is to create tribalism, racism, and hatred all focused against whites. One cannot help but observe that in the document, whites are the enemy, especially white males. They ban all words denoting male, fireman, congressman, gentleman, freshman, mailman, man, man-hour, man-made, mankind, manpower, policeman. One must admit that all white Caucasian males are seen as white supremacists. One could argue that they also ban landlady, congresswoman, policewoman, but that only appears to be a token to satisfy those who don't like anything relating to gender, since gender is now a choice. In deference to those of Asian descent, they want to eliminate yellow team, as well as the pejorative term oriental, because it racializes people of Asian descent. No more oriental rugs. They will have to use the term rugs not made in America. Whoops, wrong again. Habits die hard, can't use the word America. They will have to use the term rugs not made in the land mass between Canada and Mexico. They have also banned the following words and phrases. Tone deaf, because it is ableist language that trivializes the experiences of people living with disabilities. They prefer the word unenlightened. 
They also condemn retarded because it is a slur against those who are neurodivergent or have a cognitive disability. Senile, because it is often used disparagingly to refer to older people whose mental faculties appear to be in decline. Stupid, because it describes a person who is incapable of expressing themselves. Notice to themselves, not himself or herself. Uppity, although it was a term that originated in the black community to describe another black person who didn't know his socioeconomic place. Apparently, it was quickly adopted by white supremacists to describe any black person who didn't act as expected. In case you missed that, it was perfectly all right for a black person to call another black person uppity. But when a white said it, it was because he was a white supremacist. It is too bad because every one of those words come to mind when I think of the committee with mental health issues destroying our language. But I am content. I shall use their euphemism. Rather than calling them tone-deaf, crazy, dumb, insane, retarded, senile, stupid, or uppity, I shall use their preferred word unenlightened or neurodivergent. They fit nicely. They are inclusive. And finally, the Stanford Blacklist. Whoops, wrong again. Blacklist is blacklisted. The neurodivergent, unenlightened Stanford committee who want to eliminate harmful words have condemned the word tar baby because they said tar baby is a dismissive term for a black person. I suggest they reread the Uncle Remus stories of Gerald Chandler Harris. Many of the old folk tales are scathing satires against slavery. The story of the tar baby is one of them. Superficially, the story is about the battle of wits between the fox and the rabbit both of whom are stupid and selfish, representing the quarreling world of the whites. Neither are aware of the tar baby, which is virtually invisible as a person. The tar baby, however, represents the plight of the slave. The tar baby is defenseless against even the violent rabbit, pardon me, wrong again, against the rabbit who demonstrated a propensity to express himself in a violent manner against a defenseless victim. Whoops, wrong again, you can't use victim. Let me amend the sentence. The tar baby is defenseless against the rabbit who demonstrated a propensity to express himself in a violent way by beating the tar out of anyone who is caught in a position of helplessness. The tar baby, meanwhile, is mute. He cannot speak. He is a pawn shuffled about by the fox and the rabbit. The only winner, however, is the tar baby. The other two go on and on with their ceaseless civil war, tormenting each other. But the tar baby triumphs. He entraps his assailant and the assailant is unaware that he has been outwitted. The rabbit outwits the fox, but he does not outwit the tar baby. The only hero of the story is the tar baby. Those politically correct purists condemn the works of Joel Chandler Harris, and the works of Mark Twain, and the works of Harriet Beecher Stowe, all of whom championed the blacks and condemned slavery. That is why political correctness is so dangerous for our future. It erases history. We should not erase history, nor should we rewrite history. It is dangerous. Today, prejudice is stronger than ever. Only the color has changed. The demon of racism never dies. It merely hibernates until it senses another target. How is it that we have missed the obvious? Racism has nothing to do with race. As with the tar baby and the rabbit, it has to do with power. Those in power, regardless of the color of their skin, will exploit those who are powerless. Racism is an excuse to continue racism in a climb to power, as demonstrated by the modern liberals who are in power. Color may change as we change fashions. Racism, however, will never go away as long as the lust for power continues. 
The left, pretending to be sensitive, is fear-mongering to create hatred, racism, and tribalism. It is their only road to power. If they can win the votes of the minorities, they will remain in perpetual power. That is what this is all about. That is what Open Borders is all about. That is what Black Lives Matter is all about. Join us tomorrow as we continue to call a spade a spade, which is also condemned by Stanford. And by the way, the phrase comes from the ancient Greek writer Plutarch and was introduced into the English language in 1542. It means to call a shovel a shovel. Perhaps in addition to studying American literature, Stanford could benefit from studying George Orwell or studying the Greeks before they tried to destroy our language. Political correctness belongs more in the circumlocution department of Charles Dickens than in American universities. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.